Welcome to First Baptist Church. You're listening to the preaching ministry of Pastor Sherman Burkhead. Please check us out on the internet at fbcboron.org. So Numbers chapter 14, beginning in verse 1. And the word of the Sovereign Lord reads, Then all the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night. And all of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, Would that we have died in the land of Egypt! Would that we had died in the wilderness! Why is the Lord bringing us into the land to fall by the sword? Our wives and little ones will become prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, Let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before the assembly of the congregation of the people of Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who spied out the land, tore their clothes and said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, the land which we had passed through to spy it out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, He will bring us into the land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against God and do not fear the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their protection is removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Then all the congregation said to stone them with stones. But the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of the meeting to all the people of Israel. And the Lord said to Moses, How long will this people despise me? How long will they not believe in me in spite of all the signs that I have done among them? This is the word of the Lord. Pastor and author John MacArthur once wrote, A thankful heart is one of the primary identifying characteristics of a believer. It stands in stark contrast to pride, selfishness, and worry. It helps to fortify the believer's trust in the Lord and reliance of His provision. Even in the toughest of times, no matter how choppy the seas become, a believer's heart is buoyed by constant praise and thankfulness to the Lord. So I want to welcome you back to our short little mini-series on gratitude titled Give Thanks with a Grateful Heart. And we're taking a short break from our series in the book of Romans because really this is the perfect time of year for us to kind of slow down and, and as we you know, draw near to the Thanksgiving holiday to remind ourselves of the importance of, of living in gratitude before God. The idea of gratitude and expressing that gratitude by giving thanks is an important part of life, but it's especially important for those of us who put our faith in Christ. Because the truth is simply this, you and I have so very much to be thankful for, especially, especially if you're a Christian. The fact that you are breathing right now and that your heart is beating in this very moment is reason enough to be thankful to God. The fact that you were able to make it here this morning is another reason to be thankful to God. The fact that you and I can meet here in this building in the name of God without fear of persecution and without fear of violence or being arrested is another reason to be thankful to God. The fact that you have food to eat and clothes on your back, 
electricity in your home, a warm bed, running water, transportation, all of these are but just a few of the many, many reasons you have to be thankful to God. Not to mention, we have all the reason to be thankful to God for what He has done for us through Jesus Christ so that we sinners can be reconciled back to God. You and I have so much to be thankful to God about. And let me just tell you, to the degree that you daily live in that gratitude and practice thanksgiving to God, to the degree that you have a grateful heart towards God, tells the world a lot about who you really are. Your gratitude or your lack of gratitude tells a lot about who you are as a person and who you are as a follower of Christ. It really has a lot to say about the condition of your heart, which is what we began to talk about last week. Your gratitude level says a lot about what I like to call your spiritual temperature, which is exactly what we talked about when we began this series. We talked about the fact that your gratitude level is a good indication of your spiritual health. Because because those who have a vibrant, healthy relationship with God, they have a healthy spiritual life, tend to be people who are grateful towards God. And those who don't have a healthy spiritual life tend to be people who are not so focused on gratitude. In fact, your gratitude level is an excellent indicator of your spiritual health in three basic ways, as we talked about. It reveals the condition of your devotional life. It it reveals who your heart belongs to, and it reveals the importance of the gospel to you. Your gratitude level is an excellent indicator of your spiritual health. That's the the first big idea that we talked about last week. And if you missed that, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to that message. Now, the second big idea, which is what we're going to talk about today, is is the idea that the level of your gratitude that you have towards God in your life actually is a good indicator of your ability to stand firm against sin and temptation in self-control. Because those who tend to be grateful towards God tend to find strength when they need it to resist temptation and sin. And those who are not so grateful tend to be more prone to be led away by their passions. And we're going to talk more about that this morning. And then the the third big idea that we're exploring in this series is that your attitude of gratitude says a lot about your life and the life that's actually in you. And what I mean by that is people who tend to be grateful tend to be filled full of light and hope. They tend to be life-giving. They tend to be people who are gracious and merciful to others. And those who are not so grateful tend to be dark and pessimistic and grumpy and life-consuming. They tend to be negative and unforgiving and demanding and forceful and opinionated. Your gratitude level the level to which you are daily reminding yourself of what God's doing for you, it's done for you, is an indication of the life that's in you. And we're going to explore that next week. But today, we're going to focus on this second big idea, which is the idea that your gratitude level towards God is a good indicator of your ability to resist resist temptation and and your ability to, to withstand the trials as they come to you. Which, by the way, is why I named this sermon, Guard Your Heart with Gratitude because a very effective way to guard your heart from temptation and sin is to be grateful and thankful to God. One of the weapons that we have been given as Christians to overcome the power of sin and temptation in our lives is to walk in continual gratitude 
toward God. Now, you might be wondering, how does that even work? That seems really simplistic, right? Because how can being grateful protect my heart from sin? How can being thankful towards God and expressing that thankfulness help me to overcome temptation? Because, because temptation can be a tough, tough thing. Sherman, that seems like a really simplistic application. Well, you're right. It might seem simplistic because it is simple. Gratitude can indeed help you guard your heart against temptations and sin and sin, especially when you understand what gratitude is. You see, when it comes to gratitude and words like gratitude, I think all of us have a sense of what it means, right? We have a sense of what, of what, what we think the word means. Now, you might not be able to actually define it, but you have kind of an idea that you're carrying around with you. In fact, you kind of, what's, what's the expression? You know it when you see it. Well, my question is this, right? Have you ever really thought and put into words what gratitude is at the most basic fundamental level? I mean, if you're going to try to explain to somebody what being thankful is and what gratitude really is, right? How would you put it into words? How would you say it in a way that people would understand? And the truth is, most people I've talked to would say that gratitude is just simply thankfulness. And that is true. Thankfulness is a part of the definition of gratitude. The thing that we need to understand, though, it's only part of the definition of gratitude. There's actually more to gratitude than just thankfulness. In fact, there's actually more than most people realize. And so what we need to do is start right here, I believe with our understanding of what gratitude actually is at its very basic level. Well, the, well many definitions are, are found, but one that I found in common in a number of dictionaries is this one. Gratitude is the quality of being thankful, readiness to show appreciation for kindness, and to return kindness. Synonyms would be gratefulness, thankfulness, appreciation, indebtedness, Recognition, acknowledgement, and credit. Gratitude is the quality of thankfulness that moves us to do something. It's a quality of thankfulness that moves us to give thanks. It moves us to acknowledge that someone's done something for us. It moves us to give credit to someone for what they've done. Now, Think about this. What must happen in our lives for gratitude to exist in our hearts? What must take place at the foundational level for there to be gratitude? Because if you, if you understand that gratitude does not simply exist on its own. Gratitude does not exist in a vacuum. Gratitude doesn't happen by itself. Gratitude is not the default position of our hearts. None of us. People are not grateful without a reason to be grateful. People don't wake up in the morning, right? Grateful unless there's something for them to be grateful for. You see, gratitude is not simply a natural state. It's gratitude is an effect. Gratitude is, is the result of a cause, right? So there must be a cause because gratitude is a response to something. And, and this is really important for us to understand because it's not the default state of our minds. 
We, gratitude is a response to something. In fact, if you look at the definition here, gratitude is the quality of being thankful and the readiness to show appreciation for something. Well, what is that something? It says it right here in the definition. Gratitude is a response to kindness. It's showing appreciation for kindness. Gratitude is the quality of being thankful for kindness. It's an acknowledgement of a kindness that's done to us. It's giving credit to someone for a kindness that they've given us. Inexorably, gratitude is brought into existence because of someone's kindness. It's a response to a kindness that is shown or given to us by someone else. For example, I'm grateful to my wife for supporting me as a pastor for 10 years. Her support to me has been a great kindness in light of all the struggles that we've gone through. She doesn't have to give me that support, but she willingly does. It's a kindness to me, right? And, and it's a kindness she gives to me, and I am grateful every day for that. I'm also grateful for the service of our veterans, right? I mean, they're doing their job, but it's still a kindness to us. It's a kindness to me. We live in a free country. We are able to speak our minds without fear and worship God without coercion because of the service of those people who, have, who, who are in the military or have been in the military. Right? It's a kindness that they've given to us. It's a kindness that we're grateful for. I'm grateful to God that I woke up this morning. I'm grateful to God that the members of my family are alive and healthy. I'm grateful to God that my back didn't hurt this morning. Right? We all know what that's like, right? I'm grateful to God that you are here with me. Every one of these things are kindnesses that God has given me by His hand. Because it doesn't have to be that way. There's a lot in this world that we have no control over. But God, by His grace, has allowed it and ordered it to be this way. And so these things are a great kindness that God has offered to me. God is very good and kind to me. And so in response to that kindness, I ought to be thankful. That's gratitude. Gratitude is a response to kindness given by God or someone else. Now, in contrast to that, ingratitude and ungratefulness are the opposite Ingratitude is a lack of response to a kindness given. It's ignoring a kindness. It is, it is forgetting somehow that someone's done something for you. It is snubbing of kindness. It is a refusal to give credit to someone for kindness. It's a refusal to acknowledge or remember when someone's done something good for you. It's the quality of unthankfulness and ungratefulness. And we all, every one of us, know exactly what that's like. Right? We all have had people in our lives, people around us, maybe even people in our families that we have shown great kindness to, only to have them to ignore that kindness. We all know people who will snub our kindness and who, or even people who expect us to go out of our way to do something for them as if we owe it to them. We all know people who, are, who will demand you know, that we do something for them, claiming that what we've done so far isn't even enough. We've seen that as individuals. We've seen that corporately as a church. We all know people like that. We all have been around ungrateful people. And worse, we have all been ungrateful people. 
So we know what it's like. And so fundamentally, what we need to understand is gratitude and ingratitude. Really, there's just two constituent parts to that. There is the kindness that's shown, and then there's the response to that kindness, whether it's thankfulness or unthankfulness. That's it. You have kindness given or shown, and you have the response to that kindness one way or the other. Now, you might be asking, what does this have to do with me protecting my heart from sin? Actually, everything. And I'm not overstating this because your gratitude or ingratitude has everything to do with the power that God has given you to overcome temptation in your life. I don't know if you realize this, but the early church father Ignatius of Antioch believed that ingratitude was actually the cause and origin of all evil and sin. He believed that the original sin committed by Adam was not rebellion or pride or greed. He believed those things were the actual fruit and the byproduct of something else. He believed original sin was rooted in ingratitude. He believed that the first sin that man committed was a lack of gratitude towards God for what he's done. In fact, turn with me to Genesis chapter 3, and let's just kind of explore that together. And we, I don't have to tell you the whole story, right? I mean, we know what's happening here, right? God has created a perfect world. He created Adam. He put him in a paradise, right? And Adam wants for nothing. He has everything he needs. And on top of that, he's free to go where he wants to go, say what he wants to say, eat what he wants to eat, do what he wants to do. And then God, knowing that he needs a companion, provided him one. And he gave Adam his wife, and she was perfect for him. In fact, they were perfect for each other. Adam and Eve were living in a paradise, and there was no pain and no death or tears. They were, they were in a place where there were no regrets or shame. That's the hope that we look forward to, Right? And on top of that, they had a, pers- a close personal relationship with God. Right? They actually were in God's presence. If you think about that blessing, they experienced God's presence in a way that we have never known. If you've been a Christian for any length of time, you have experienced a very real sense of God's presence. Imagine that all the time and imagine that to a greater extent. What a blessing they had. And the only thing that God denied them was to eat of the fruit of one tree. And all of the trees of the garden they could eat except that one, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the only rule was that, right? There was nothing else. God just said, do not eat of that tree. And they, they could do whatever they wanted to do, go where they wanted to go, eat what they wanted to eat. I think they could eat as much as they wanted to and not get fat too. Now, now that's that's my interpretation of the facts, but but their lives were blessed because God was good to them. God was good to Adam and Eve, and he showed them incredible kindness. But in chapter 3, verse 1, we read, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field than the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that's in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, 
and the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave some of them to her husband who was with her, and he ate. And then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together to make loincloths, and they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I, am, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. Who, he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree? I commanded you not to eat. And the man said, the woman whom you gave to me, <laughs> she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. And then the Lord said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Now there's a couple of things that we need to understand here. From the very beginning, as we've talked about, God has been so good to Adam and Eve. He's done nothing wrong by them. He has been completely good to them. He's shown them abundant kindness. He created them. He, he, he even put them in a perfect environment and gave them the gift of love and gave them the gift of companionship. He gave them everything. They owed everything to him because, because without God, they have nothing. Right? They wouldn't even exist without God's kindness. His kindness towards Adam and Eve is beyond what we can calculate God was, in, was good to this couple. But in spite of this kindness, the servant was able to tempt Eve. And this is where I want you to just kind of think about this. This is one of those moments you can read through the story just trying to get to the point because you kind of know where it goes, right? But stop and think about what's happening here. For everything that God had done for her and Adam, the enemy was able to tempt her and then Adam threw her. How is that even possible? Why was she so easily lured away? Why was she tempted in light of what God had done for them? I mean, she knew God personally. She walked with God. How is it the devil can entice her to rebel against the only rule that God had given her? What could possibly be the catalyst for such a monumentally stupid and destructive decision? By the way, all stupid and destructive decisions have their roots in this one stupid and destructive decision here. How could it be possible? Well, it's actually very simple. It's ingratitude. Ingratitude is the catalyst because think about this. If in that moment when the serpent were to come to Eve and she was in that moment conscious and regularly grateful to God for what he had done and she was purposely mindful of God's goodness in her life, would she have so easily fallen into sin? I mean, think about this. Because what is, what is gratitude? Gratitude is, is really being mindful of the kindness that God or someone has shown to you. Someone shows you kindness, you're mindful of that, and then you react to that by feeling gratitude, and you express that gratitude in your actions and your attitudes. That's what gratitude is. It's being mindful of kindness that someone shows you. Now, let me ask you, if Eve were mindful what God had done, if God's goodness were on her mind in that moment, moment, and she was thinking, wow, God has done so many good things for me to take care of me, Right? Would she, would she have fallen like this? How, how would this conversation have been maybe different? 
I kind of imagine the conversation going something like this. Now the serpent was more crafty than the other beasts of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree of the garden? And the woman said, well, actually, no. We can eat of all the fruit of the trees in the garden except for one tree. And he said that if we eat of it, you know, if that one tree will die. So we just, we just don't do it. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you will eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And then she said to him, that's okay. That's okay, right? I mean, God has already done so much for me anyway. Right? He's already given me more than I need. He's been so good to me. He's given me every other tree in the garden that I could eat from. Why do I need to eat from that one tree? God has made a point to take care of me, right? And so he said, don't do it, and so I don't do it. I mean, he's given me my life. He's given me a wonderful husband. He's given me this wonderful garden to live in. And anytime I need to talk to God, anytime I want to spend time with him, he's right here. I get to talk to God anytime I want to. I mean, the truth is, all that God has done for me, why would I even complain about this one silly little rule? It doesn't seem to make sense to me. God doesn't want me to know the difference between good and evil? Well, fine. right? He's the one that created me. I'm just grateful for everything He's done for me. I'm so grateful that He loves me. right? And because that, I trust in Him. Think, I mean, think about this. If Eve had been conscious and focused on the kindness that God had given her, would she have so easily fallen into sin and temptation? Because how do you turn your back on someone who's been kind to you? How do you rebel against someone who's been so good to you? How do you step on someone that you love so much? It's, it's ingratitude. I remember when I was 18 years old, I was living on my own, and I was, like every other 18-year-old, smarter than everyone else. You know what that's like, right? Yeah. I was doing what I wanted to do. I lived a life the way I wanted to live it, and nobody could tell me any difference. And I was really self-absorbed. And I remember one day going home to visit my mom and dad, and we were just kind of hanging out, you know, had dinner and stuff. And I kept trying to talk to my mom, and she was always loving to me, but, but, but she was kind of cold towards me that day. Um, she really wasn't talking to me a whole lot. In fact, she would just give me short one-word answers, which was not like my mom. She seemed very distant. And so I got a chance to get alone with my dad, and I was like, boy, mom's in the mood, huh? And my dad was like, you don't even have a clue, do you? And I'm like, what are you talking about? Well, he, in my classic dad fashion, kind of let into me and let me know how things were. He says, you've been so self-absorbed, and you have been so inconsiderate and arrogant, you have no idea how bad you hurt your mom's feelings. And I was like, what are you even talking about? Your mom has done so much for you. She has, she has, she has done a lot to provide for you and take care of you, and you just kind of shine it on. Right? She's been over backwards to help you and take care of you, even though, oh, you're living on your own, right? But she's making sure that you've got groceries. She's making sure you have everything you need. And, and she's done all these kinds of things. And you don't even bother to say thank you to her. Right? In fact, you've just been a big jerk. You've been inconsiderate to your mom. And all you think is about is yourself. Now, obviously, that hit me pretty hard, right? And I realized that my dad was right. 
Right? I was a big jerk, and I, I hurt my mom's feelings in the process. And I want you to understand, right? I wasn't trying to hurt my mom's feelings, right? She was important to me, right? And, and, and I loved her, and she did a lot for me, right? So how could I possibly then hurt her? How could I possibly step on her feelings and be so reckless? It's just falling into ingratitude. Simply what it was. That was it. I was completely ungrateful. I was unmindful of all the things that my mom had done for me. I wasn't thinking about how she had taken care of me. I was consumed with me. I was ungrateful towards my mom. She showed me kindness and I would act like it was kind of expected. Right? She would go out of her way to do things for me and I completely just was ungrateful for what she did. And in my ingratitude, I hurt her. I was an ingrate. And so was Eve and Adam. It wasn't like she was trying to intentionally rebel against God. She did not wake up that morning going, I think I'm just going to make a mess of things today and I'm going to just live in open rebellion to God. No. She was ungrateful toward God because she wasn't mindful of His goodness. She didn't acknowledge in that moment the kindness that God had shown her. She didn't give credit to God. She wasn't thankful. Instead, she became covetous and suddenly selfish. And then she begins to buy into the idea that God is holding out on her. That's how, that's how, the, how it was phrased, right? God's not telling you the truth. It blinded her. She couldn't see what God was doing for her. All she could now see was what God wasn't doing for her. How many times have we fall into that trap in our own lives? And she began to think, yeah, that's right. God's not telling me the truth. God's holding something back from me. He's not, he's not giving me everything that I need. He's not allowing me to be happy. God doesn't really care about me. That's ingratitude. Ingratitude blinds us to God's goodness. We become blind to God's goodness day after day. And when that happens, we become selfish and self-absorbed and greedy and our hearts drift away from God towards ourselves, which is what we talked about last week. Now, Eve, again, she wasn't the only one who was ungrateful. So was Adam. In fact, look at what he says. You kind of giggled at this. You know where I'm going, but it bears talking about he says, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree and I ate. He says, the woman you gave to me. You realize he's blaming God for how this works out, right? I didn't ask for her, right? <laughs> you just gave her to me. I mean, I didn't even want her, right? But you gave her to me, and look at the mess that she's made. I mean, we're in lots of trouble right here because of her. Never mind the fact that I was actually kind of lonely, and never mind the fact that, you know, she does fulfill a lot of desires. I mean, you know, I mean, she is a big help. I'll admit that, right? And never mind the fact that she's perfect for me, right? But you gave her to me. It's your fault, God. Ingratitude distorts our view of reality. It distorts how we see the world around us and the relationship that we have with God. Ingratitude is the catalyst for this fall. Adam and Eve were not grateful to God for the kindness that He had shown. They were not mindful of the abundant goodness that God had given them. 
Their hearts and minds were turned away from God and they settled, right? Where hearts and minds always settle when they go away from God. They settled on self. They became self-absorbed and selfish. Ingratitude is quite possibly the root of temptation and sin. You see, when you're not grateful, it's because your eyes and your heart are not on what God has done for you. When you are grateful, your mind is, is set on the kindness that God has given you, and you're focused on God. Right? Remember, it says, every good and perfect gift comes from where? From above, coming down from the Father of lights. Gratitude is when you're mindful of His goodness. You're mindful of Him and His kindness. And if you're mindful of Him, you're likely to walk in gratitude and not spurn that kindness. In fact, the Apostle Paul encourages us in the book of Romans, he tells us that God's kindness is meant for what? To lead us to repentance. God's kindness leads us away from sin, not toward it. His kindness leads us toward Him and away from sin. When you're mindful and grateful for what God has done for you, you're likely to lean towards God and toward His holiness and away from sin. When you, but when you forget about God's goodness, when it's not on your mind, right, and you walk in ingratitude, you're more likely to fall prey to desires and temptations and sin. In fact, there is a textbook example in in, in Numbers 14, which we read already. Uh, but turn with me to that, because I really want to just show, I just want to illustrate this. And again, this is the point of the story where God had sent Moses to rescue the Israelites, you know, out of slavery from Egypt. God does incredible miracles that causes Pharaoh to let these people go, right? I mean, and we're not talking about little miracles. We're talking about huge, visible, earth-shattering kinds of miracles, like turning the whole Nile River red, with blood, like, you know, sending hailstones that burst into flames. I'm going to tell you, you see something like that, you know, you know something's, something's up. And if that wasn't enough, then he does, he, 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 the, he kills every firstborn in Egypt that was not covered by the blood of the Lamb. We're talking about miracles that are clear that God is involved. And if that wasn't enough when the Israelites were leaving, when they were on their way out, they become trapped between the, the army of Pharaoh and against the Red Sea. And then God miraculously parts the Red Sea where they cross on dry ground to safety. God does these incredible, visible miracles to save His people. And God is with them all the way. And He's with them visibly in a pillar of cloud during the day and a pillar of fire at night. And again, if that weren't enough, God provides all of their needs. Water to drink, food on the ground they just pick up and eat. And at every turn, He's with them and protects them personally all the way now to the edge of the promised land. And everything that God had promised them was about to come true. He tells them, go into the land, take it over. I will be with you. Just cross the Jordan River, take it, it's yours. But the people will do what? They encourage Moses to send some spies in, check it out, you know. And so they do. And two of these spies come back, Caleb and, and Joshua. And they say, we got, we got to go into this place. This is awesome. 
Like this, this land is amazing. It is fruitful. We can take it because God is with us. Right? They're excited. This is the culmination of God's promises. But then the problem is 10 other men who went with them were like, ah, we're not quite so optimistic. Right? They're like, no, we can't do this. This is a dangerous land. Those people will devour us. They're giants. These people are going to kill us. It's too scary, too big. And because of that, the Israelites get all worked up and refuse to go into the land. In fact, in verse 1 it says, Then the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night. And the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the, right? I mean, these people are upset with Moses and Aaron because they're like saying, take the land, and they're like, no. These other guys say, it's impossible. The whole congregation said to them, what, I mean, would that we had died in the land of Egypt. I mean, now, just let that settle into your, into your head. They've seen all these miracles happen to this point. They're at the edge of receiving the promise that God had for them, and now they're wishing to go back to Egypt into slavery where they came from? It, or would, it, would that we had died in the wilderness? Why? Is Lord bringing us into the land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become prey. Would, that, would it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, let us choose other leaders to go back to Egypt. This is, again, this is so unbelievably unexpected. These people are asking to go back into the horror that they were living in for 400 years. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the people of Israel and Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among them, among those who spied out the land, tore their clothes and said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, the land that we pass through to spy out is exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, if the Lord delights in us, He will bring us to the land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord. And do not fear the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their protection is removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. And all the congregation said to stone them with stones. But the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of the meeting to all the people of Israel. Which, by the way, is the indication that now everybody's in trouble, right? You kind of know how that is, right? When we were kids, you know, you're quietly fighting and arguing and until somebody like falls and busts their head and somebody screams out loud and all of a sudden you hear dad wake up, you know what I mean? And you hear his voice. Okay, now everybody's in trouble, right? This is kind of, right? Everybody's in trouble because they refuse to go in and now they want to kill Moses and Aaron in rebellion to the Lord and God makes his appearance and he's like, you're going to really rebel against me after everything I've done for you? You're going to refuse to go into the land that I've promised you? You're going to rebel against me? right? The one who has taken care of you at every possible turn? How is that even possible? How is it possible for them to turn back on the God who had done so much for them? So much for them visibly? It's ingratitude. These people were not, again, focused on God's goodness. They were focused not on His kindness. Look at what they're saying. It would be better to go back in Egypt to die there. Forget the fact that God rescued them from slavery. Forget the fact that He's been at every turn and provided for every tiny little need. These people were walking in overwhelming ingratitude. In and the result of this ingratitude is they didn't trust God. 
and His goodness. This right here is a side effect of ingratitude. It breeds a lack of trust in God. It leads us to lack trust in the promises that He's made and the goodness that He's shown us. How many times does God have to be good to us before we finally just go, you know what, God's going to take care of us. And because they begin to sin against God by rebelling against Him, ingratitude led to their rebellion. Because I promise you, if these people had actually been mindful, like willfully mindful of how God had been taking care of them, how God had been kind to them, they woke up every day praising the Lord and counted all the blessings that God had done for them, I don't believe that they would have rebelled in this way. I believe they'd have been like Joshua and Caleb, who said, if the Lord delights in us, He will bring us into the land and give it to us. I believe that's exactly what would have been their attitude. If they would have been focused on how God was with them, they would have no cause to fear. They wouldn't have rebelled. And gratitude is so very destructive in our lives because it blinds us to God's goodness and God's power. It causes us to doubt His love. It causes us to doubt His promises. Ingratitude leads to sin. It did for Adam and Eve. It did for the Israelites. It caused Adam and Eve to be cast out of the garden, and it caused this generation of Israelites to not even be allowed in the land. Remember, all of them died except for Joshua and Caleb. Even Moses didn't get to get all the way into the land. Ingratitude was the root of their sin, and it was a devastating consequence for their lives. These people failed to acknowledge the kindness of God, and they failed to give credit to Him for what He'd done. That's why, by the way, over and over the Bible tells us to do what? To remember, to remember, to remember. Why is it when you read the Bible, and especially the Old Testament, they're rehearsing all these things that God has done that you've already read before, because God's trying to to, to tell them, remember, remember. They didn't remember, and it cost them everything. Ingratitude is the root of that sin. It was then and it still is now. Because think about this. If you walk in deep gratitude daily before God and you are like mindful every moment and are moved by God's kindness to worship and be thankful, do you allow yourself to fall into an adulterous relationship? Do you allow yourself to take something that doesn't belong to you? If you sincerely are in awe of what God has done for you because of His kindness... Do you then now go tear somebody else down to make yourself feel better? Do you need to be hateful towards other people? Do you need to spend money on things to fill a hole in your heart if you truly are walking in gratitude with God? If you're mindful of God's kindness towards you and you're moved to deep gratitude in your heart, are you more or less likely to be obedient? I think we know the answer to that. Gratitude leads to obedience. That's the raw truth. Ingratitude pushes us towards rebellion. And again, over and over, the Word of God exhorts us to be grateful, right? So we can avoid ingratitude. In fact, ingratitude and ungratefulness are are identified as part of being evil and unbelieving. Romans chapter 1, verse 21. For although they knew God, they did not honor God as God or what? Give thanks to Him. They became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Sounds right, doesn't it? Ingratitude has a blinding effect to it. Our our gratitude and thankfulness to God, our thinking, thinking about Him, 
Ingratitude, on the other hand, is, is moving our thinking away from God and onto ourselves. Our thinking becomes futile and our hearts become darkened because we become self-absorbed. Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, but understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty where people will be lovers of self and money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, and what else? Ungrateful. Sounds like much of the world around us now. Ingratitude is so dangerous because it darkens hearts and minds and it takes our focus off the God that we, that we are supposed to love. Ingratitude tends to make us self-entitled and puffed up. It tends to make us conceited and self-centered. Ingratitude inexorably leads to sin, like the sin of David and Bathsheba. Right? And we, we know that story really, really well, right? I mean, David, what does he do? He has a great relationship with God, a man after God's own heart. God has blessed him time and time and time again, given him a kingdom, given him all he's ever wanted. And then one day David decides, you know what? I've done enough for this kingdom. I think I'm going to take a vacation and I'm going to send my guys out to war. I'm going to lay back and stay at home. And what happens? Well, he gets caught up in the act of adultery, right? And, and we know that story, but how is that even possible? Right? Think about this. A man that walked with God, like David, if he kept his heart focused on God by remaining grateful to God, if he was mindful in that moment, in those days, does he do this? Does he take another man's wife? And not just another man, right? This is not a strange man. This is a man who's out fighting for him. A man that he should have gratitude towards for his service. If he was really like mindful, man, God has really gotten me through a lot of stuff. He has taken care of me. I don't want anything. Does he fall into this sin? Right? Does he allow himself to not just take his wife, but then have him killed? I would say no. Because, because David, as we know, when he was focused on God, he was a man who did what was right. But then David, at the same time, when he wasn't focused on God, was capable of unspeakable sin. And I'll tell you, it's exactly the same with all of us. We are capable on our own for, of, of egregious sin. We're capable of, of dishonesty and lust and envy and gossip and pride and hatefulness and unforgiveness. We're capable of all that because we're sinners by nature. In fact, that's why we were condemned in the first place, right? On our own, in our sin, we were hell bound. But God in His grace and His mercy gave us all the reason we ever need to be grateful for again. He sent His Son into the world to save us. God was inordinately kind to us. And friends, when we are mindful of that kindness, when we walk in gratefulness towards God, right? when we're mindful of how God has been good to us, we tend then to be obedient. But when we are not mindful of those things, we tend to be inwardly focused and prone to follow our appetites. It's that simple. The only difference between the two states is where our hearts and minds are. If your heart is grateful, your mind is on God. If your heart is ungrateful, you tend to be have your heart on yourself. 
The level of gratitude in your heart is an indicator of all of the likelihood that you will fall into or fight off sin. When you are grateful, your mind is on God and you have the strength to fight that sin. When you're ungrateful, the tendency would be to fall. Right? You were either grateful or you were not. You were either have the strength to fight sin or you don't. I mean, you'd hear me on this. Either you're grateful towards God or you're not. So if you want victory of sin in your life, this is the place to start. right? And that is growing in gratitude towards God. Now let me tell you why this is difficult. Because <laughs> it's easy to say it. right? Not so easy to live it. Why is it difficult? Because gratitude doesn't exist on its own. It is not the default state of your heart and mind. You don't become grateful to God for what He's done for you one time in your life right? and take your heart and you just kind of set that sucker right there on that setting like a thermostat and leave it there and somehow it's going to stay that way. It, it just doesn't work that way. Right? The truth is the natural order of everything is what? From the time that sin entered the world, it goes from order to chaos, order to disorder. Everything breaks down. Your car will break down. We know that's happened before. We hope it doesn't happen again, but it will, right? Your appliances will break down, right? Your house will break down. That's why you have to paint and fix plumbing, Systems break down. Bodies, much to our chagrin, break down. Everything breaks down. Everything decays unless it is maintained. It's the same thing with your gratitude. You must maintain that gratitude in your life. You must nurture it. You must continually take care of it. So how do you do that? How do you maintain the gratitude in your life? Because gratitude left by itself will fade. A heart that's grateful and left alone and not maintained will at some point become ungrateful. How do we maintain a level of gratefulness towards God? How do we focus on Him and fight off temptation? Well, that's exactly what this series is about. And this is what we're going to be uncovering over the next few weeks. But last week, I started off with asking you or, or suggesting a couple of ways that you can grow in your gratitude. I encourage you to do two things. First of all, is to identify where you where you could actually grow in your spiritual health. And, and, and I think that, you know, the overwhelming place that all of us could probably use some help is our devotional life, that time that we spend alone with God, right? And then the second thing I encourage you to do is to start a brand new habit. I think that we all should have, and that is a habit of taking the time every day and thinking about something that you can be grateful to God for and writing that down, taking the time to write it down and begin to create a list and then get alone with God and actually spend time being thankful to Him. I want to help you to become intentional in growing in gratitude daily, right? And I hope that you, you keep that up. And by the way, if you've been seeing any of my, my posts on social media, I'm making a point to talk about the things that I'm grateful for. I'm grateful for many, many things. And I can fall into the same patterns of behavior just like everyone else where I realize like I've been really inwardly focused because I'm not spending a lot of time in gratitude before the Lord. Well, this week, I want you to do something a little different. And I want you to adopt a little phrase to remind you to walk in gratitude. And maybe to kind of give legs to, to this. 
The phrase is that, that I would like for you to use is when you get to a point where you're about to make a decision or you need to make a choice, especially when you're tempted to do something you shouldn't do, the phrase is this, in light of all that God has done for me, how can I honor Him? In light of all that God has done for me, how can I honor Him? And let me give you kind of a practical couple examples of this. You're on the 14 freeway, and you're minding your own business. You got the cruise control set, you got the radio on, and you're having a good day, and somebody decides they're going to cut you off. <laughs> in light of what God has done for me, how can I honor Him in this particular interaction? Because I can tell you what my flesh wants to do, right? All right? Or when you're at, you're at work and your boss, who's been writing, who's not looking, right? And you have an opportunity to slough off a little bit. In light of what God has done for me, how can I honor Him? Right? Or you're frustrated by the telemarketer that's on the phone. Common occurrence in my life, right? My instinct is to be really rude, right? In light of what God has done for me, how can I honor Him? And we can apply that to just about any other part in our lives, especially when we come to a place where we're about to make a decision, especially a decision where we can do something we shouldn't do or not do the things that we should do. In light of all that God has done for me, how can I honor Him? Brothers and sisters, this is the way for us to really make this practical. Because this is really what it's about. It's about gratitude. Gratitude before God. In fact, if you could define what's happening in our country and the way that people have, the attitudes that people have about the freedoms that we have here, it can be described in one word, ingratitude, right? The Great Depression taught a whole generation of people how to be grateful, right? World War II taught a whole generation how to be grateful. Unfortunately, we're at a place right now where everybody's had everything they've ever wanted and they still think that they're still entitled, right? So let us be grateful this holiday season and let us pray that our country would learn that gratitude as well. You've been listening to the preaching ministry of Pastor Sherman Burkhead, a production of First Baptist Church in Boron, California. Our website address is fbcboron.org. And would you please consider partnering with us financially as we work to share the hope and the gospel of Jesus Christ with our community and our world.